You're listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org. We're getting ready now to hear a word from Scripture. And the story today is about Elijah and Elisha, and it picks up kind of at the end of Elijah's ministry. But a couple things to know before we receive the scripture reading. Elijah was a great prophet in the Hebrew Bible. Some said even as great as Moses. His main focus was returning people to worshiping God and turning away from worshiping idols like Baal. Lots of stories about that in the Hebrew Bible. God famously provided food for Elijah in the form of ravens who came and fed him. Um, And at one point, Elijah brought somebody back from the dead. The widow at Zarephath had a son and Elijah brought him back after he had gotten sick. So some pretty amazing stories about Elijah. And then Elisha went on to do some miracles as well. But our story today is in the middle, right? As Elisha prepares to leave and Elijah prepares to leave and Elisha prepares to take up the mantle. So let's hear this reading from scripture. The scripture reading this morning is from 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 7b through 8 and 11 through 14. Both Elijah and Elisha stood beside the Jordan River. Elijah then took his coat, rolled it up, and hit the water. Then the water was divided in two. Both of them crossed over on dry ground. They were walking along, talking, when suddenly a fiery chariot and fiery horses appeared and separated the two of them. Then Elijah went to heaven in a windstorm. Elisha was watching, and he cried out, O my father, my father, Israel's chariots and its riders. When he could no longer see him, Elisha took a hold of his clothes and ripped them in two. Then Elisha picked up the coat that had fallen from Elijah. He went back and stood beside the banks of the Jordan River. He took the coat that had fallen from Elijah and hit the water. He said, Where is the Lord, Elijah's God? And when he hit the water, it divided in two. Then Elisha crossed over. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be be to to God. God. Please join me in an attitude of prayer. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Two years ago, at about this time of year, my husband Joel and I got a text saying that our daughter Maxine had been born. For those of you who don't know, we are parents to Maxine through adoption and We're really grateful that her birth mom invited us to come and meet her right away at the hospital. One moment we were not parents, and then just like that, we were. For any first-time parent, whether you're a parent through adoption or through biology, there is a before, and then there's an after. And no matter how much you prepare, I think, it's a whirlwind. You think you're ready, and you prepare, But when it comes down to it and you're responsible for another human life, suddenly you find yourself in a position that you've never been in before. 
for parents of newborns, there's the initial flurry of the hospital and nurses and doctors and people checking in and saying, do you have what you need? Do you know what you're doing? How can we help? And then suddenly you're discharged into the world and it feels like, what do I do now? Who is gonna be checking on me? Am I really all alone? I mean, not, you're not alone, but like, uh, you don't have the doctors and the nurses suddenly popping, you know, constantly popping their heads into the room. Whether you're a parent or not, most of us know this whirlwind kind of feeling recently. Back in March 2020, everything shut down in a bit of a whirlwind. There was a before and there was an after and suddenly the world changed around us. It was pretty rapid, do you remember? It felt like within a day, within a week, everything changed. Here at the church, on one of the earliest days, the staff met in the fellowship hall and each person had their own table with an individual chair behind it and we all sat six feet apart and I remember we talked, oh, this might go on for a few weeks, a couple months. And we live streamed services from the sanctuary in real time with just a handful of volunteers helping us those first couple of weeks. Do you remember that? And then within a week and a half, our staff meetings went from spaced in the fellowship hall to all on Zoom. And our services went from live streamed in the sanctuary to live streamed from our homes because that's how, that's how concerning everything was. And we didn't know, there were so many things we didn't know at the beginning about how the virus spread and it was, it was scary. I really remember the live streaming from home part because at that time Maxine was a baby who still was taking morning naps and I remember kind of trying to time the naps so that she'd go down and she'd sleep through my live stream service and then my husband Joel is also a pastor at the Goodrich United Methodist Church and so we'd sort of cross our fingers maybe she'll nap through part of Joel's service at his church and if she didn't well I'd be done with mine my service for you guys and so I'd go and get her up from her nap and trying to keep her quiet so that all of the people in worship didn't hear a baby crying or laughing or whatever she was doing. And that's just kind of the technical end of things. In many cases, some of us over the past year had loved ones who got COVID. A few of us lost loved ones to COVID. And in the meantime, we had jobs lost or furloughed, vacations were canceled, weddings, baptisms postponed or altered, uh, funerals downsized, celebrated virtually, not celebrated at all, still kind of waiting for that day. Nursing homes and hospitals remained closed to visitors. In some cases, they still are. A bit of a whirlwind. And yet at a certain point, it kind of became our new normal. That's what happens when you live with something for more than a year. And just in the past couple of weeks, it feels like things are shifting very quickly again as we come out of this thing. More of us have been vaccinated, case numbers are declining, the world feels like it's reopening around us and it's not soon enough for some of us and it is way too soon for others, particularly those I think who have been personally impacted by COVID or who have lost somebody to COVID. It's like a whirlwind. It was all shut down and then suddenly it wasn't. Many of us find ourselves trying to reacclimatize, recreate plans that were laid aside, visit loved ones who we haven't been able to see, pick up the pieces and figure out what, how do we even live life now with the new model, with what's left over, with where we are now. 
because a lot's happened in the past year and a half. Which brings us to our scripture for this morning, which is about a whirlwind and what comes afterwards. Elijah, I told you, uh, was a significant prophet in the Hebrew Bible, and he performed some miracles. He's pretty well known. He's also referenced in the New Testament a number of times as a model of faith, somebody that we aspire to be like. People wanted to be like Elijah. And at one point, actually, when Jesus is starting his ministry, people say, is this Elijah walking among us once more? Has he come back? Did Elijah, Elijah come back? Our scripture for today picks up at the very end of Elijah's leadership. He has this protege called Elisha who follows him. Elijah, Elisha. Who put those two names together? It is tricky to keep them straight. Well, it's not tricky, but to say the right one consistently, that's the tricky part. So their last minutes together, Elijah takes his cloak or his mantle and he rolls it up and he strikes the water and the Jordan River is parted. And so they cross the river on dry ground and they continue to walk and they continue to talk and suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire descend upon them and a whirlwind springs up and Elijah is taken up to heaven in this whirlwind, in this dramatic event. Chariots of fire, horses of fire. Who can imagine such a thing? Now Elijah knew it was coming, or perhaps were led to believe that he did, because the beginning of chapter 2 in 2 Kings says it this way, the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven, and Elijah was talking with his protege Elisha and saying, well, when I'm not here, dot, 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 but still... When Elisha is faced with this whirlwind and this sort of before and after, I imagine there's a lot to take in. Can you imagine chariots of fire? Can you imagine watching a prophet like Elijah get taken up into the heavens? A prophet that some said was as great as Moses getting taken up into the heavens? I mean, come on, what is Elisha supposed to do after seeing all of that? Well, the truth is most of us know what it's like to live through a whirlwind, don't we? Now, last Sunday was a pretty grand event, and I have to tell you, Pastor Rick, certainly not Moses, and I mean that in the most loving way possible, but we all experienced a bit of a whirlwind. Now, we didn't have chariots of fire, and we didn't have the horses of fire, and uh, there was briefly a conversation about getting some kind of levitation system to take Pastor Rick up through the ceiling. I'm joking. We weren't really going to do that. But it was a bit of a whirlwind, wasn't it? We all knew that it was coming, but... Every clergy transition feels a little bit like that, at least in the Methodist system. One day they're here, and one day they're next. That One day they're not. We know that feeling. It's a common feeling in the itinerant system in United Methodism. The church has been through that feeling a lot, even in the last couple of years since I've been here. The whirlwind isn't limited to clergy transitions in the church, though, is it? We know about whirlwinds. We find in our personal lives as well that things change suddenly. Sometimes we encounter wonderful whirlwinds like becoming parents for the first time or the second or third time, depending on your family. We find whirlwinds in job offers or moving to a new home. Uh, there's all kinds of positive things that can cause a bit of a whirlwind in our lives. But there are also those storms that are a little more heartbreaking, like receiving a tough diagnosis. I know that's 
the case for many in our congregation right now. Losing a loved one, loss of any kind, can feel like a whirlwind where there's a lot of noise and busyness and then suddenly it's quiet. You know what I'm talking about. At a certain point, the flurry of activity, the whirlwind itself, the things that we have to do and take care of sort of dies down. And we're left figuring out what's next. What do I do with this next day? Here's where I think we can gain wisdom from Elisha. After watching Elijah, his mentor, get taken up to heaven, he calmly picks up Elijah's mantle, his coat, and he goes to stand on the bank of the Jordan River. Now, the Jordan River, you remember, has been crossed and recrossed by the Hebrew people many, many times, most recently by Elijah and Elisha together right before the whirlwind. But before that, Joshua had led the people across the Jordan River. He led them in a parade right up to the edge of the river, and they just stood there, and the river stopped flowing, and they walked across on dry ground, and Joshua actually had them put up stones as a monument to remember that crossing. And then King David once famously crossed the Jordan River to hide from his enemies. Elijah had just parted the river. So it's this symbolic moment to stand on the edge of the river. Not to mention, you look back further in Scripture, Moses most famously parted the Red Sea by the power of God. He had the wooden staff that he struck on the edge of the water, and God parted the waters, and the people walked through safely. And then as we look to the future, the Jordan River is where Jesus was baptized. Jesus was baptized in these same waters. And so Elisha is invoking all of this as he stands at the edge of the water, carrying Elijah's coat. And he wads up the coat just as Elisha, Elijah had done, and he strikes the water with the mantle, with the coat, with the cloak and the water parts. The water parts, just as it did for Elijah. And immediately people start to say, well, God is with him because he's doing what Elijah used to do. He took up the mantle. It's interesting, you probably have heard that phrase, taking up the mantle, and it's from this story. A mantle, it's just a cloak or a cape or something warm that people would have worn to keep the cold away, right? So when Elisha takes up the mantle, it sounds like this big formal thing because that's the association we've come to give it. But he's really just picking up a coat. The same way you or I might pick up somebody's scarf and put it on, a winter hat. I mean, it is a mundane daily object. It's not something otherworldly or supernatural. It is a coat. And it's what he does with it next that really matters. He rolls it up. He strikes the water with it, just like generations before him. He trusts that God is with him, just like generations before him. When we find ourselves after a whirlwind, I think it's appropriate to pick up the best of that which has come before us. Those are the things that will hold us together. Those are the things that will help us move forward. We can leave behind the stuff that we don't need to take with us if it's unhelpful, if it's unhealthy, if it's 
uh, not going to work in the future, that's okay. But there's always something to pick up. There's always something to take with us. I think about myself as a new parent. I try to copy some of the best practices from my parents as I'm raising my daughter, Maxine. Things like reading her bedtime stories, helping her love songs. I mean, these are simple things, right? They're mundane things like a coat, and yet they're daily practices that shape who I am as a parent. As people of faith, we pick up practices that outlive any one of us. Things like prayer, things like relying on scripture, things like caring for those in need. As we look to our ancestors in the Wesleyan movement, we pick up practices like finding great meaning in the songs that we sing, right? So there are plenty of mantles that surround us. And for some of us, it's helpful even to think of specific practices unique to those we have personally known or loved. Like uh, perhaps you have a grandparent that used to pray in a particular way. Maybe they had a prayer list they went through every day. Maybe that's something you want to pick up and take forward with you. Perhaps you have a friend who is with you now or has moved out of state who is particularly passionate about volunteering in a certain way. Well, maybe that's the mantle you want to pick up and take forward with you. It doesn't have to be some big dramatic thing. It can be a mundane, daily, seemingly little thing. But you pick it up and you take it with you, and you make it part of what you do. I think, too, about clergy who have served in this place previously, like during my time, Pastor Hal or Deacon Laura. Both of them had a lot of lessons to teach, things that they did that they were passionate about. Some of you have told me phrases that Deacon Laura commonly said that were meaningful to you. Up until last week, we had Pastor Rick here Perhaps there was a mantle from him that you'd like to take up, something he said, something he did, something he was passionate about that you say, yeah, that's something I want to take forward with me. It's okay to pick up the mantle of somebody else. In fact, sometimes that's the thing that helps move us forward into the future, toward the new thing. Now, I don't know what your personal whirlwind is today. Maybe it is thinking about the church I know you're all thinking about the church all the time, but maybe it's a whirlwind related to health challenges or school or grief or kids or parents or family dynamics. I don't know what your whirlwind is, but all of us have some kind of whirlwind. We're living through a whirlwind as we start to come out the other side of the COVID pandemic. And so the question becomes, how are we going to move forward? What are the things from the past we're going to pick up and take with us. Most of us have examples that we look up to. Somebody whose mantle we want to take with us. Now maybe it's somebody in our family, maybe it's somebody from history, somebody from scripture, maybe it's somebody from here in the church. There are plenty of examples around us. And so today, may we pick up the coats of the ones who have come before us. May we choose not everything, but one, two, a few things that we really want to hold on to and say, this is what I'm carrying forward with me today and every day. 
may we bring forward with us those daily actions, those daily commitments that help us and help others connect with God. Whose mantle do you want to pick up today? Whose mantle do you want to carry forward today? And how is God calling you? How is God calling you to follow Jesus Christ in the midst and after the whirlwinds that surround us? Let's pick up the mantle today. Amen. You've been listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org.